0: Kim Kafka and joins here in the studio with my special guest Albany Faulkner and Josh Hurston. Albany and Josh have been longtime colleagues of mine at the university. Today we will be discussing the book *The Bluest Eye*, written by Nobel Prize laureate and Pulitzer winner Toni Morrison. Josh, after reading the book, what were your thoughts?
1: So through the experiences of Piccola in *The Bluest Eye*. Toni Morrison demonstrates how racism, sexism, and systems of white supremacy reinforce the commodification of beauty and purity in a way that is uniquely destructive to the identities of Black women. When Toni Morrison wrote The Bluest Eye, she explained that she was interested in explaining the, quote, far more tragic and disabling consequences of accepting rejection as legitimate, as self-evident, um, and so she explains about uh, the victims of powerful self-loathing and being ostracized by society. She explains that she chooses Piccola's story because it's um, it's especially destructive. Um, Piccola's case, quotes stemmed largely from a crippled and a crippling family, unlike the average Black family and unlike the narrators. Morrison explains that... Uh, aspects of her woundability and of her vulnerability are to some degree visible in all young black women and the story of picola aims to uh demonstrate like the most pervasive and the most harmful and the most like blatantly horrific outcomes of that kind of self-loathing and that kind of environment
0: yeah you made some really good points Uh, another question i have for you is How do you think the characters are psychologically impacted by their surroundings?
1: In an article about black women and their hair, uh, the author Tracy Owens Patton describes how, quote, as girls grow and mature and become women, one of the only items over which they have control is their hair. Uh, this quote demonstrates the significance of hair and also ties into the theme of control that reoccurs continually throughout the bluest eye. Because Piccola has a warped environment, she's not able to distinguish between that which can be controlled and that which cannot be controlled. This leads her to ask for blue eyes. Uh, she sees blue eyes as a means to be beautiful and beauty as a path to being loved and accepted. Uh, so she understands that these things that can be controlled and achieved. Well, she sees these things as as controllable and achievable goals, that is blue eyes. Um, but the system that she lives under does not operate the same way that her mind operates. Uh, her understanding of validation is different than the societally defined uh, definition. Unfortunately, uh, who is worthy of being loved is predetermined by society and this is very harmful to picola.
0: One thing to consider is the selection to detail regarding each character's homes and living spaces. So the Breedlove's home is more in a public place. It's run down and it's in contrast to the lavish home of Miss Breedlove's employers who are white and they live in a very nice residence and I think also June, in the Bacteria's home, I think Junior's mother, as a quote says here, she describes, um, Morrison describes this home as, Little lace doilies were everywhere, on arms and backs of chairs, in the center of a large dining table, on little tables. Potted plants were on all, win- all the windowsills. A colored picture of Jesus Christ hung on the wall with the prettiest paper flowers fastened to the frame. So the different houses show that Morrison uses place and home to show how the how racism and capitalism and institutionalized racism, <laughs> you know, just like an institutions a of power, right? Insti- yes, institutional institutions of power affect these characters' living spaces. And about the MacTeer's home, it shows that their they also participate in, in internalized racism because Mac-tier, um, their last names are MacTier, right? I think so. Yeah. Junior's mom repeatedly tells juniors, oh, you do not want to spend time around these kids. And she was referring to the black, uh, darker skinned kids. And she basically ingrains juniors, that her household ingrains into these, um the family members' minds that... They're, I don't know where I'm going
1: with this, this one. No, that's good. That's yeah. good. Um, do y'all remember the chapter where, uh, Mrs. Brewlove, she's working as like a maid in, in this house mm-hmm. and, um, for some reason, uh, her, her, her Picola and, um, Claudia and Frida are, they come to this house and like Picola knocks over this blueberry cobbler, mm-hmm. and the mom gets super mad at her. And the like really important takeaway that I got from that section was about like, feeling of worthiness sort of Mm -hmm. because the white child was allowed to call mrs breedlove polly and like even her daughter is not allowed to do that Mm -hmm. and so like just by virtue of being white and having money and having power Mm -hmm. this little girl is given so much of this privilege right Mm -hmm. that Piccolo can never dream of having or well she does dream of having it but she can't have it um and so that's kind of feeling worthiness it's tied to a lot of material things which goes to your point about capitalism um like, in the left house, they get this couch that's ripped, mm-hmm. and, like, it comes ripped, and, like, I think that's a really important metaphor about, like, even when they can afford to buy a nice thing, it doesn't work out the the way it's supposed to, and then they're not allowed to, like, fix the ripped couch and it creates this kind of, like, fretful malaise, which is a quote that Morrison uses to describe kind of the environment of the house with all of these mm-hmm. material things that just don't measure up for whatever reason.
0: Yeah, Piccolo's mother limits and prescribes to... The discourse of white supremacy by telling her who she can or cannot be.
1: Is, it, yeah, it, it ties yeah. to the theme of like self loathing, right? Yes. Which is like another one of the psychological impacts of a beauty commodification and like the idea of like who is worthy of love and like who is arbitrarily defined to be attractive. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. self
1: rejection. Exactly. Yes.
0: One thing I also want to mention is how the di- characters are different and similar to each other. So the girls, Pecolia, Pecola, <laughs> Claudia, and Frida, they also um sub- subscribe to capitalism and purchase, consume things that are fueled by white supremacy, and they are also affected by it, the lack of representation. For example, they use Shirley Temple cups and saucers and also eat Mary Jane's, showing of um, these candies have blonde, blue-eyed mm-hmm. girls on it and however, Pocola is the antithesis to Claudia because Pocola is affected by what she consumes in a way where she wants to be white so she prays for blue eyes and she eats Mary Janes in hopes she becomes Mary Jane and Mary Jane, again, is a blue-eyed, blonde-haired girl. Mm-hmm. However, Claudia rejects this discourse, and instead she dismembers dolls. You know, <laughs> another example of representation, she dismembers white dolls, and she also harbors hate towards Maureen, which mm-hmm. is like a lighter-skinned girl in their area. So she kind of, um, these, these objects they interact with, fuel hate into Claudia, but also in Pocola, she instead copes by in having internalized racism. Mm-hmm. And Pocola also copes with her outcast status by purchasing things and ownership. Yeah, so I have another, I found another example where that shows how Pocola is psychologically affected by her environment. So for example, when Maureen Paul explains to Claudia, Frieda, and Pocola that Maureen is cute, but the other three girls are ugly, Claudia sees that, and I quote, Procola seems to fold into herself like a pleated wig. Her pain antagonized me. I went to open her up, crisp her edges, ram a stick down that hunched and curving spine, force her to stand erect and spit the misery out on the streets, but she held it in where it could lap up into her eyes. So this quote was, like, showing how uh, Maureen's insults uh, physically and psychologically affect Pacola. And my article says that both Claudia and Pacola are absorbing the environment, internalizing Maureen Pearl's insults, and reacting mentally um, to their overall place in the world. And definitely there are people in the community like Maureen that make it clear that the girls are out of place and seen as others. Mm and but also in place at the same time
2: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and to perpetuate that idea that these girls are 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 classified as like this other um it's this automatic um like kind of like outcasting of them you know what i mean they're automatically um and in my in my article it says um when black girls are classified as the other, the experience of geologic fault between childhood and adulthood. Um, um, when both her Piccola's community, um, her family, and these th- that kind of idealization of uh, marine, um, there's not a lot of lot left for acceptance. Okay, so um, on the topic of worthiness um, that. Pecola feels, I think a lot of it, um, her self-loathing and that kind of those feelings stem from her parents and their internalized racism and that that kind of sense that they pass whatever they've experienced in their life onto their children and that kind of form of generation generational trauma is present throughout a lot of the characters. Um, and so a lot of Pecola's, um, you know ideals and and thoughts about herself, especially those that are more negative, um, are, are based, um, are based a lot on, you know, what she's heard her mom kind of talk about. When Maureen comes to town and she moves, moves in, um, it seems like the community as a whole accepts Maureen's image of, um, you know, that blonde-haired, blue-eyed kind of girl.
1: I think in terms of how people damage themselves, like, in relation to beauty standards, a lot of things, like, it's so much of it is implicit and, like, it's not uh, something that people do intentionally, it's just how they feel. Yeah. A lot of it is tied to an idea of common sense of what people just... Think beauty is mm-hmm. and they don't realize how artificial how artificially created it is by it, especially mm-hmm. things like profit that mm-hmm. kind of you know dictate what sort of like beauty products are marketed or things like um like the film industry and like how movies mm-hmm. kind of re- represent what beauty Super. is supposed to be yeah. we see that has a big impact on mrs breedlove she goes to the Go movies, to the movies yeah. yeah and that's where she kind of learns like what she wants to be and then she becomes more rigid and she becomes. More religious, and she starts judging other people, and she sees herself as kind of like this... Uh, like, she ties it to religion, in a way, where it's like she's put on this earth to keep people... Like, make sure people know that they're being sinful.
0: Yes. Right. I think capitalism in the beauty industry is horrendous. It makes... Mm-hmm. Especially, I think this book is a good example on how, you know, white supremacy and capitalism affect people today, even Mm -hmm. in our age, is very prevalent. You know, the beauty industry is like a multi-million dollar industry Mm -hmm. and it's fueled by insecurities and basically a narrative telling people that they aren't beautiful enough and what Mm -hmm. they want to change. And I think with different beauty standards, for example, in the black community, there's internalized racism, people wanting to look white, people wanting blue eyes. Mm -hmm. But in different parts of the country, different areas too, such as in India, there is a lot of the beauty standards is lighter skin, which is fueled, mm-hmm. which fuels definitely the skin lightening industry and people purchasing um, harmful creams mm-hmm. in order to lighten their skin. Do they really need to lighten their skin? No, mm-hmm. they they don't. Yeah. And these companies, they just eat it up and these companies are making much more money and I feel like it's not going to change mm-hmm. or progress anytime soon. It's just...
1: It's just well it's particularly it. harmful because a lot of it is defined among, along racial lines and yeah. the reason that that's so bad is a because racism like has a bad history and also because it's not something that can easily be changed yeah mm-hmm. it's about something that you are and also it's not like the lines aren't clear especially when it comes to race i know like there have been a lot of studies about this in terms of like is there like because in the field of biology race is not a really a relevant thing, like, there's more genetic variation within the continent of Africa than there is Mm -hmm. between some people in Africa and, like, people in Europe, Mm -hmm. so, like, there's no, like, race doesn't have a function beyond what's artificially and socially constructed to, like, be Mm -hmm. its function. And
2: what's perpetuated by society.
1: Right, and, like, it's important to remember that it was made up, and, like, it didn't, it wasn't always, our view of race was not always what it is, like, it was artificially kind of created, like, in order to justify slave trade. Mm -hmm. And so, and then people realize, oh, this is useful for capitalism. We can colonize people and dehumanize them Mm -hmm. because, and justify it with racial racial stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you have like social Darwinism and everything. Mm -hmm. And so it just like, it kept itself alive because of the utility that it had for the upper class. And like, it's, Mm -hmm. there is like, there's a clear reason why people in power would want to have an underclass that they can exploit and so capitalism definitely helps that system the way that it's constructed yeah. Um,
2: yeah and I think adding on to what Kim was saying about the beauty industry um, presenting imperfections like the imperfections that supposedly that people hold that that is that that's what you know and wanting to fix those imperfections that's what fuels that constant need to like change change your hair like curl relaxers or skin lighteners and stuff like mm-hmm. that um, it's like you can never reach that, that full, you can never reach that um, idealistic image of like what you want to be. But that idea of keep, you know, right. and it's keep self-fulfilling
1: behind. too, right? Because, like, um, if you are considered to be beautiful, you have more power in society. And the people with power in society are the ones who are defining what beauty is. They
2: call it pretty privilege. Uh-huh. Yes. Right. Yes. 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 That's that cyclical
0: kind of. Yeah. Yes, we. As these, these characters in this, in this book, the black little girls, they don't have a lot of representation. Mm-hmm. Also because of racism. Yeah. They not find in movies. Not in. No. Yeah. They find their representation in, you know, celebrities such as Shirley Temple, mm-hmm. and I think that makes them seeing Shirley Temple be praised, and you know, having all these seems to have a perfect life, it mm-hmm. makes them
2: feel inadequate. Yeah. And the lack of representation of a strong black woman or that kind of, like, presence is, like, detrimental to somebody's who's grown up, you know, needing, like, an idol of some kind. Mm-hmm. Instead, the only one available is somebody who they they don't necessarily look like or they can't. Yeah, definitely. the
1: the theme of uh, the theme of isolation is pretty prominent in the *Bluest Eye*, and I think Morrison does a really good job of driving that home. Home, the point that like, it's not something that just exists in a vacuum. It is created by environmental factors. Yeah. Like, I, the point of like centering it around a child like Pecola mm-hmm. is that we, as the readers, see her like descend. We see that she has like we her get psychologically destroyed, like, over the course of the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, like, a, a really good microcosm is, like, there's a passage that she's, with that Picoa is narrating, where she talks about how she used to think that dandelions were beautiful flowers, mm-hmm. but everybody tells her that they're weeds, and so she learns to see them as ugly, like, over time, even though she used to think the flowers look nice. Mm-hmm. But like they're they're weeds, and that's, like, an arbitrary, like, this plant is a weed because we say it's a weed mm-hmm. and so
0: yeah isolation and lack of self-expression mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: well thanks for joining us today tune in next week where we will be discussing the book the nickel boys by colson whitehead in our five-part series of african-american literature until next time this is lit tap